So I have to just confess that next Sunday, I call it Hot Dog Sunday, is my favorite Sunday of the year. Uh, you can have the donuts and Voorhees and the cookies in Mount Laurel, but if I have a choice, I want hot dogs every Sunday. Uh, so I am looking forward to Hot Dog Sunday next week, and so I hope you are too. And I think, if I have my way, I think we're actually doing three of them uh, through the summer. I'm squeezing three hot dog Sundays. I'm squeezing them in. Uh, we're going to make it work. Anytime there's a reason to have hot dogs, I think we should. Uh, so, and speaking of that, uh, I was at the Taste of Mount Laurel a few uh, weeks or yeah, a few weeks ago. Uh, the Taste of Mount Laurel is an event that happens every year in Mount Laurel Township where they uh, invite area restaurants to come in and they offer free food. And so when you offer free food, lots of people show up. So there's several hundred people there. And uh, our, our campus here volunteers to help with that. And we had about eight folks who showed up and we do some uh, setting up and serving and all those kinds of things. I just want to mention that I had the best piece of brisket that night. Uh, I don't usually go around and do the tables because I'm supposed to be serving, but somebody said to me, you got to go try the brisket. And I went, sure, okay. So it was the end of the evening, and I went over and tried the bris brisket, and it was a barbecue place. I can't remember the name of it. Something with pig in it. Sorry. Uh, that's the best I got. I've thought of it all week and can't remember what the name of the place was. Uh, but Carol Boynton does know because she took a brochure and a flyer from that. What is it called? It's the Whole Hog Cafe. Yeah, all right, see, you know what I'm talking about, right? All right, so, but here's the deal. They gave me one little one-inch cube, all right, of meat. And so, but, but I was wise to what they were doing. And after I ate the one, I got back in line, and I got two more. Uh, it, was, it was the best brisket I've ever had, and I had three one-inch cubes. And, uh, yeah, he got to know me quite well. Uh, but the reason I talk about Mount Laurel uh, uh, Taste of Mount Laurel is that I arrived 15 minutes early that night. Uh, it wasn't intentional. It's just the way for me, it's the way the traffic lights uh, work. And uh, I was there. We had a time we were supposed to show up. I don't remember the exact time, but I was there 15 minutes early and I had nothing to do in those 15 minutes. I was just literally standing at the Taste of Mount Laurel watching things happen with nothing to do. I ended up in a conversation with someone who does not attend Hope, but they know about Hope, and they know about our campus here, and they know me, and they're uh, someone part of the community, and it was just a regular conversation about life, and then it shifted. In the midst of all the setup, people running around, moving tables, bringing in hot food, doing all those things we had a spiritual conversation and it started like this. He said, yesterday was a really hard day for me. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What happened? And he said, we had to put our dog down. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. And then he began to tell me about his dog, about how the dog was a dog that he and his wife had gotten when they got married before they even had kids. And the dog kind of was the first member of their family. And then they had children and the dog was an integral part of the family and the, as the kids were growing up. And their kids are still little in elementary school. And he said, and the dog began failing about a year ago and we extended it as far as we could. He goes, and yesterday was the day we went to the vet and had to put the dog down because of her suffering. I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. And then he said, can I ask you a question? He goes, this is a really silly question. He said, do dogs go to heaven? 
And so he and I had a conversation about that. But before we did, he said this. He said, I'm sorry. Um, he said, how did he say? He said, um, he said, I Googled it, but I wasn't sure I could trust the answer, so I wanted to ask you. Yeah. And so we had this spiritual conversation about heaven and what heaven is like and how you get to heaven and who gets to go to heaven and that our dogs, if we love our dogs, our dogs go with us. Well, that's kind of how I kind of said it. That there is where we may differ. <laughs> but it was a big moment. I felt it was a really big moment. And I reflected on that over the next two hours as I was passing out flyers and doing my thing. I was realizing that I showed up 15 minutes early, believing I had nothing to do. But that 15 minutes was an important 15 minutes for me and for this guy who needed to talk to a pastor and doesn't go to church, but knew that I would be there. And he trusted me more than Google. Now, I'm going to return to that story later, but I wanted to share with that because if we're, going to, if we're starting a new series. I want to introduce the series. We're calling it Worship Plus Two. Uh, and before I explain why we're calling it that and what we're going to talk about, I also want to remind you of our primary reason for being a faith community. Uh, if I were to ask you and shout it out, not only would you shout out about cats, but if I asked you, why do we gather together? Why are we here? I believe you would say that we are in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. That's, that's our primary reason for being together. We want to be a people who are being conformed as individuals into the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. And so everything we do at Hope is filtered through that statement. If we are in a relationship with Jesus, each of us is in the process, and we believe that we're in the process of being transformed by God to look like Jesus. And we believe our gatherings on Sunday morning are part of this transformation process. And if the church or any church ever misses this important point, we will cease to be a healthy community and a healthy church. So knowing all that, let's now talk about what is worship plus two. Worship plus two, and we're going to talk about over the next three more weeks after today, is that worship is a, uh, that we're going to challenge you, I'm going to challenge you here and I think I'm in Voorhees one of these weeks too. I'm going to challenge you to see our worship gatherings as more than getting together with friends, but it is an engagement with the divine, that our worship is about Jesus. And plus two, that we think that it's important and it's a challenge for us to be in the process of being conformed, that we're going to grow, and that we're going to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth. So we're going to really talk about small groups. And two, so worship plus two, well, one is our growth, two is our service, that we are in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. So we're going to challenge you to find a way to serve both inside and outside this place. And so that's kind of where we're going over the next few weeks. I'm glad that you're here this morning as we get started, and we're going to read a story from Acts chapter 2. It's a first century moment of worship. It's up on the screen, uh, reading from the first four verses. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. 
pause there for a second. They're all together. Kind of like in a community center. All together. Somewhere. I don't know where, but all together. In one place. And suddenly, they're interrupted. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so they were interrupted by a sound from heaven and divine activity happened. Flames or tongues of fire that settled on each of them and filled them with the Holy Spirit, so much so that they were speaking in other languages. Wow. I can't explain that. It's divine. It's mysterious. There's this union that takes place between God and humanity in that moment. A kind of union that had not existed since creation when God decided to breathe into the dirt. When God decided to mix earth and heaven together. Flesh and spirit. Creator and created. Infinite and finite, divine and human, the tangible and the intangible. There were sounds and winds and flames and languages and something holy. A mysterious spirit. So worship, the reason we gather here on Sunday mornings is a reminder that God is part of the equation. That on Sundays when we gather, we are recognizing that God needs to be and is the catalyst. That Sunday is a divine encounter. Now we have chairs to set up and we have carpeting and we have bulletins and we have handshakes and hugs and we have words that go around and we have musical notes and we have the pastor for getting communion bread and so he has to tell someone to go back to Voorhees and get the communion bread. And so we have all those things that are going on, all those human earthly things happening. But there's also this transcendent spirit that is present with us in the midst of the chairs and the carpets and the forgotten communion bread and all those things. And that God moves beyond our imaginations. So our Sunday mornings can be and should be more than anything that's happening in our home life or our work life. It's bigger than us. It's a mysterious adventure. And so the result of this commingling of heaven and earth, of, of a flesh and spirit, of, of this tangible worship and this intangible God is in Acts chapter 2 as well. So it says this. This is after God interrupted and sent the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 42, all the believers 
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so because of this interruption at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, when this group of believers are gathered together and this spirit intermingles with the flesh, where heaven invades on earth. There's this movement that takes place beyond themselves. This spiritual activity, it says there's a deep sense of awe. There's this mystery of the divine and the human mixing together, of the extraordinary and the everyday. So worship brings meaning to our activities. So hot dog day is a spiritual event. It brings meaning to our actions. Someone just before was talking about their bumper and those little hope magnets. It means that our driving here is a spiritual activity. Because if I pull out in front of somebody and cut them off, and give them a salute. <laughs> and I've got my hope sticker on the back. So even driving here is a divine spiritual activity. And our service and all that we do is a natural response to our beliefs and our spiritual growth. So worship energizes and it brings our theology and our practice into life together. So let me, let me kind of unpack that a little bit, okay? So there's this idea that we have this theology, which is a belief in God, or it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a study of God, right? And so it's this unseen, this intangible kind of uh, thought, okay? Then there's the practice of how we live out our faith. That's seen, right? It's tangible, how you, know, you can say, oh, here's how, they're, here's how they're doing it. So if I'm driving down the road and I'm and saluting people, I'm not necessarily practicing the kind of faith that I talk about. And so when we worship, it is a reminder to us of God's righteousness and God's grace toward each of us, which is theology or belief. And because of worship, we are inspired to engage in a world to advance God's kingdom, which is our belief or our practice. Let me try and unpack that a little bit more. I think Paul speaks about this really clearly in the book of Romans. 
Now, if you were to read Romans all the way through from Romans chapter 1 all the way through to uh, chapter 16, you would see that Paul does this incredible job of taking everyone on a journey through uh, of describing faith. And so in the middle is this verse, all right? And it's chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore... Now, therefore, was one of the first things I remember learning in seminary. My Bible professor said, whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you need to ask the question, why is a therefore therefore? There's a reason the therefore is there, because therefore is a connecting word, and therefore is connecting what happened before with what is about to be said. So Paul has been writing, and then he says, therefore, So that's a signal to us to go, all right, what did he just say? Because what he's going to say, he's connecting to what he's going to say. Now in Romans chapter one, from chapter one, verse one, all the way through chapter 11, Paul is laying out a doctrine or a theology. He's saying, this is what we believe. He lays out this theology or this idea of righteousness. And it's this very logical and comprehensive presentation of the gospel. So in Romans 1 through 11, he's saying this is what we believe. And then in chapter 12, beginning with verse 2, and all the way through to the end, he gives us some practical ways to live. It's applied Christianity. He offers a demonstration of this is what daily living, this is what our behavior, this is how you should act when you're driving your car, Pastor Rick, from verse 12 to all the way through. And in between is this verse, chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. That's all what he just talked about. Romans 1, 1, all the way through to eleven, the end of chapter 11. In view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Worship. In between belief and behavior is where we find worship. In between what we believe and how we live that life is worship. Paul states that because of all God has done for us, we worship and we practice our faith. Romans 1 through 11, how do we get it? How do we get right? How do we keep right with God? This is all about what we believe. But chapter 12 through verse 2, how do we live out this faith? In between belief and behavior is where we find worship. So I'm suggesting this morning that worship is a hinge. It's a hinge. It's a movable joint or a mechanism on which a door or a gate or a lid swings open, right? You know how that works? There's about a thousand of them in this room because if there's a fire, everybody gets their own exit, all right? That's how it works in this building, all right? No one, there's no two people go out the same door, all right? That's how it works. But at every door, there are hinges. And the way the hinge works is that it is holding the immovable post connected to the swinging door, and it all works off the hinge. Worship is the hinge between our belief and our practice. It connects what we believe with how we behave. It's the intangible link to the tangible. Worship connects earth and heaven. 
It's what's happening right now in this room. There's a connection between heaven and earth taking place, between the divine and the finite, between the intangible and the tangible. See, we are setting up chairs and we put out stages and we put out cookies and we put out the bulletins and the band practice and all those tangible things took place. And then the band prayed and I prayed and other folks were praying and we are praying for the intangible to take place. Earth was set up and we were looking forward to heaven joining us. And so there's this simple challenge I want you to consider over these next few weeks as we talk about worship plus two. It's a simple, practical step that I believe would improve your Sunday church experience. It's a practical step that has spiritual significance. Are you ready? Did I really sell it? Arrive 15 minutes before service starts and stay 15 minutes after service ends. Because a lot can happen in 15 minutes. If you walk through these doors or the doors in Voorhees 15 minutes before a service, you will find that the worship experience will be more impactful. And you will find your pastor more engaging. Why? Because a calm heart is fertile ground. And it will bring deeper meaning to your worship. Stay 15 minutes longer. Why? Because a lot of times it takes... 15 minutes for it to sink into our heads and into our hearts. Another reason, you'll find new friends. Your experience in church will be dramatically altered if you arrive expecting friends to be there because you can't build friendships on the run. Arrive 15 minutes early and you'll find a small group of friends who will encourage your faith. Stay 15 minutes later, and those friends will help walk you through your week. A third reason, you will find a place to serve. If you have time, just 15 minutes, to talk to people in this space, you'll find out that most people really enjoy serving. If you find somebody that doesn't, let me know you'll find that they really enjoy serving. And after a few conversations, they'll probably ask you to join them and serve with them. Why 15 minutes? It's counter-cultural. It's just 15 minutes. But we live in a world that we fill up every moment I was just out to dinner uh, with family, uh, a whole bunch of family. There's 20 of us, and we were celebrating uh, an event in someone's life. And I was looking, we were sitting together all on a big, long table. And I knew I was 
talking about this, and I knew that I'm guilty of this as well, is I realized that there was never a time when all 20 of us, not one of us, was looking at a phone. I was at the end of the table, and I was able to watch, and it was constant. And I just kind of was like, then it became a, I'm going to see if I can find a moment when all of it, and the only time it happened was when the food came. Otherwise, we're, there was always somebody either taking a picture, doing something, texting somebody, emailing something, and I'm guilty of that as well. We fill up every moment in an attempt to be efficient. And here's why that, I believe, is a challenge for us and why 15 minutes is an important challenge for us to take, is that as far as I can tell, and we talked about this in my small group on Thursday, God works in the margins. But if we don't give any margin, it's going to be challenging and difficult for God to work. Throughout the whole Bible, I've noticed this. What my favorite, this is, here's a quirky Bible thing that pastors only talk about. Uh, my favorite chapter in the book of Numbers, <laughs> when's that sentence ever been said? <laughs> hmm? Never, but it's chapter 33. You want to write it down and read that, okay? In Numbers chapter 33, here's what I wrote back 20 years ago when I was a youth pastor because I decided to teach on Numbers chapter 33 because I thought it was the weirdest thing when I found it. Basically, my takeaway of chapter 33 in Numbers is that the Israelites spent a lot of time camping, all right? Because it's a list. Now, Numbers, you know that it's, it's like if the writer of Numbers were living in the 21st century, it would be called the book of Excel, all right? It's all about Numbers, get it? All right, that's why, it's, that's why it's called the book of Numbers. And in chapter 33, what the author decides to do is list all the different campsites the Israelites had. And it says, they left here and went there. The next verse, they left here and went there. The next verse, and then they left here and went there. And it's the whole chapter is about them being in one place and going to another. And that's it. But then later in life, I had this realization. I was like, wait a minute. I know what's going on. The Israelites were always waiting for God to tell them when to go next. That's what chapter 33 is all about. And I realized that God likes to work in between. But when we don't give any margin, it's challenging for God to work in our lives. The same is true with Jesus. Jesus was always wasting time, it seemed. He was always going off with just a few people. When there were lots of people that needed to be healed, Jesus was off by himself. Jesus knew about margin. Jesus knew that if the heaven and earth were going to combine, if there's going to be opportunity for the Spirit to interrupt, we need to provide space for that. Jesus always spent time with people in the margins. See, margin is really important. 15 minutes can change a lot. So challenges to be radical in a really ordinary way. My conversation at the Taste of Mount Laurel happened because I was 15 minutes early and had unintentionally created some margin, which led to a spiritual conversation. A lot can happen in 15 minutes. 
So my challenge for you, over the next three weeks, I'm asking you to commit to, it's really, think about it, it's 45 minutes over the next month at the front end, 45 minutes at the back end, 15 minutes early. If you're on a setup team, you're not excused, all right? You're not excused, okay? Because that means you're already here, but what would it look like if you were to spend time reflecting and preparing and being calm before worship began? Connecting the intangible and the mysterious spirit of God with our everyday life. Here, let me give you one last example. So we're going to celebrate communion in just a minute. And I'm going to wash my hands because that's a real tangible thing to do. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was gathered with his disciples and they were, they were together in the upper room and they were, they, were, they were celebrating a meal together, a very th- a, a tangible thing they did all the time together, right? And Jesus took some bread. It was just a regular bread that was on the table that would have been at every meal that they celebrated the Passover together at. It was common and it was simple. And then he said, this represents my body. Something that was basic and everyday, he used to describe something that was going to be special and complex. He said, my body is going to be offered for you. There was this connection he was making between earth and heaven. And then he said a prayer. And so let's pray together. So God, I pray that as we celebrate your sacrifice for us and your atonement for us, that God, we would know that there's no place we can go. There's nothing that we can do that would separate us from your love. And so God, is. Together as a community of faith, we pray together this prayer of confession. It's up on the screen. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart or our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. Forgive us, we pray. Teach us to delight in your will and walk in your ways through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And then he broke the bread. And he said to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then later in the meal, he took a cup. Again, it was a basic earthly, tangible, something they could taste, something they could see. And he said, this represents my blood. He turned something that was earthly into something heavenly, something holy and something mysterious. And he said, this is a new covenant. It's sealed with my blood. You'll no longer have to figure out a way to pay off God. All those things 
your past, your present, your future. Under a new covenant, signed by my blood, the blood of Christ.